Chapter Nine, Part One of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Five by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Lion's Den, Part One. If the appearance of a house of confinement, constructed with every attention to salubrity and humanity, has nothing repulsive in its aspect, the sight of the prisoners causes a very different feeling at the sight of the criminals who fill the jails we are at first seized with a shudder of fear and horror it is only after some reflection that this is overcome and feelings of pity mixed with bitterness overcome us to understand the feeling of horror and fear our reader must follow us to the fosse aux lions the lion's den one of the yards in la force so called in this are usually placed the most dangerous criminals whose ferocity or the charges against whom are most serious at this time they had been compelled to place there in consequence of the alterations making in the prison many other prisoners these although equally under accusations and awaiting the assizes were almost all respectable persons in comparison with the usual occupants of the lion's den the sky gloomy grey and rainy cast a dull light over the scene we are about to depict and which took place in the centre of the yard of considerable extent square and enclosed by high white walls having here and there several grated windows at one end of this yard was a narrow door with a wicket at the other end at the entrance to the day-room a large apartment with a stove in the centre surrounded by wooden benches on which were sitting and lying several prisoners conversing together others preferring exercise were walking up and down the walks four or five in a row arm in arm it requires the pencil of salvator or goya in order to sketch the different specimens of physical and moral ugliness to render in its hideous fantasy the variety of costumes worn by these men for the most part covered with squalid rags for being only accused i e supposed innocent they were not clad in the usual uniform of the central houses some however wore it for on their entrance into jail their rags appeared so filthy and infected that after the usual washing and bath they had the frock and trousers of coarse grey cloth as worn by the criminals assigned to them a phrenologist would have observed attentively those embrowned and weather-beaten countenances those flat or narrow foreheads those cruel or crafty looks the wicked or stupid mouth the enormous neck they nearly all presented frightful resemblances to brutes in the cunning looks of one was seen the perfidious subtlety of the fox in another was the sanguinary rapacity of the bird of prey in a third the ferocity of a tiger and in all the animal stupidity of the brute we will sketch one or two of the most striking physiognomies in the fosse aux lions whilst the turnkey was watching his charge a sort of council was being held in the day-room amongst the prisoners there assembled were barbillon and nicolas martial the prisoner who appeared to preside and lead in this debate was a scoundrel called the skeleton whose name has been often mentioned by the martial family in the ile du ravageur the skeleton was prevot or captain of the day-room this fellow was tall and about forty years of age fully justifying his sinister nickname by a meagreness impossible to describe but which might almost be termed osteologic if the countenance of the skeleton presented more or less analogy with that of the tiger the vulture or the fox the shape of his forehead receding as it did his bony flat and lengthened jaws supported by a neck of disproportioned length instantly reminded you of the conformation of a serpent 
complete baldness increased still more this hideous resemblance for beneath the corded skin of his forehead nearly as flat as a reptile's might be distinguished the smallest protuberances the smallest sutures of his skull his beardless face was exactly like old parchment tightly distended over the bones of his face and only somewhat stretched from the projection of the cheekbone to the angle of the lower jaw the working of which was distinctly visible his eyes small and lowering were so deeply embedded and the rim of his brow so prominent that under his yellow brow when the light fell were seen two orbits literally filled with shadows and a little further on the eyes seemed to disappear in the depths of these two dark cavities these two black holes which gave so sinister an aspect to the skeleton head his long teeth whose alveolar projections were to be accurately traced beneath the tanned skin of his bony and flat jaws were almost continually developed by a habitual sneer although the stiffened muscles of this man were almost reduced to tendons he possessed extraordinary strength and the strongest resisted with difficulty the grasp of his long arms his long and lean fingers he had the formidable clutch of a skeleton of iron he wore a blue smock-frock very short and which exposed and he was vain of it his knotted hands and half his forearm or rather two bones the radius and the ulna this anatomy will be excused us two bones enveloped in a coarse and black skin separated by a deep groove in which were some veins hard and dry as cords when he placed his hands on a table he seemed as picbinegre justly remarked as if he were spreading out a game of knuckle-bones the skeleton after having passed fifteen years of his life at the galleys for an attempt at robbery and murder had broken his ban and been taken in the very act of theft and murder the last assassination had been committed with circumstances of such ferocity that the ruffian made up his mind and with reason that he should be condemned to death the influence which the skeleton exercised over the other prisoners from his strength energy and wickedness had caused him to be chosen by the director of the prison as prévôt of the dormitory that is to say the skeleton was charged with the police of the chamber as far as concerned its order arrangement and the cleanliness of the room and the beds a duty which he discharged perfectly and no prisoner dared to fail in the cares and duties which he superintended the skeleton was discoursing with several prisoners amongst whom were barbillon and nicolas martial are you sure of what you say inquired the skeleton of martial yes yes a hundred times yes father micou heard it from the gros boiteux who has already tried to knock this hound on the head because he peached about some one then let's do for him brush him up said barbillon the skeleton was already inclined to give that skulking germain a turn of his hand the prévôt took his pipe from his mouth for a moment and then said in a tone so low and husky as to be scarcely audible germain kept aloof from us gave himself airs watched us for the less one talks the more one listens we meant to get rid of him out of the fosse aux lions and if we had given him a quiet squeeze they'd have taken him away well then inquired nicolas what alteration need there be now this alteration replied the skeleton that if he has turned informer as the gros boiteux declares he mustn't get off with a quiet squeeze by no manner of means said barbillon we must make an example of him continued the skeleton warming as he went on it is not how the nabs who look out for us but the noses jacques and gautier who were guillotined the other day were informed against nosed 
roussillon sent to the galleys for life nosed and me and my mother and calabash and my brother at toulon cried nicolas have we not all been nosed by bras rouge to be sure we have because instead of shutting him up here with us he has been sent to la roquette they daren't put him with us he knew he had done us wrong the old well added barbillon and didn't bras rouge nose upon me too and i too said a young prisoner in a thin voice and lisping affectedly i was split up by jobert who had proposed to me a little affair in the rue saint martin the latter personage with a fluty voice pale fat and effeminate face and with a sly and treacherous glance was singularly attired he wore as a head-dress a red pocket-handkerchief which exposed two locks of light brown hair close to his temples the two ends of his handkerchief formed a projecting rosette over his forehead his cravat was a merino shawl with a large pattern which crossed over his chest his mulberry-coloured waistcoat almost disappeared beneath the tight waistband of a very large pair of trousers of plaid with very large and different coloured checks and was it not shameful such a man to turn against me he added in his shrill voice yet really nothing in the world would have made me distrust jobert i know very well that he sold you javatte replied the skeleton who seemed to protect the prisoner peculiarly and as a proof that they have done for thy nose the same as they have done for bras rouge they have not dared to leave jobert here but sent him to the stone jug of the conciergerie well there must be an end put to this there must be an example for traitors are doing the work of the police and believe themselves safe in their skins because they are put in a different prison from those on whom they have nosed that's true to prevent this every prisoner should consider every nose as his deadly enemy whether he informs against peter or james here or there that's nothing fall on him tooth and nail when we have made cold meat of four or five in the prisons the others will think twice before they turn snitch you're right skeleton said nicolas and let germain be number one and no mistake replied the prevot but let us wait until the gros boiteux arrives when for instance he has proved to all the world that germain is a nose the thing shall be settled out of hand the calf shall bleat no more we'll stop his wind and what shall we do with the turnkeys who watch us inquired the prisoner whom the skeleton called javatte i have my plan which pic vinaigre will aid he's he's a coward and no stronger than a flea i'm awake where is he he had come out of the visiting-room but went back to see his lawyer and is germain still in the visiting-room yes with the little wench who comes to see him when he returns be on your guard but we must wait for pic vinaigre without him we can do nothing no no and germain shall be done for i'll take care of that but with what they have taken all our knives away what do you think of these nippers would you like to have your neck in their clutch asked the skeleton opening his long bony fingers hard as iron you'll choke him decidedly but if they find out that it is you well what if they do am i a calf with two heads such as they show at the fair no that's true a man has but one throat and yours 
is sentenced my lawyer told me so yesterday i was taken with my hand in the bag and my knife in the wheesand of the stiffen i'm a return horse too so nothing can be more certain i'll drop my head into shallows the headman's basket and i shall see if it's true that he does his customers and puts sawdust into his basket instead of the bran which government allows us true the guillotine has a right to its bran now i remember my father was robbed in the same way said nicolas martial with a ferocious grin this horrid jest created immense laughter amongst the prisoners this is fearful but far from exaggeration we give but a faint idea of these conversations so common in prisons the prisoners were all laughing joyously thousand thunders cried the skeleton i wish they who punish us would come and see how we bear it if they will come to the barriere st jacques the day of my benefit they will hear me address the audience in a neat and appropriate speech and say to charlot in a gentlemanly tone père sanson the cord if you please note one to understand this horrid jest the english reader must know that the doors in france are usually opened by the porter who sits in his room and pulls a cord to allow the person going out to have free egress and the blade of the guillotine glides down the grooves of the machine after a spring has been set in motion by touching a cord that acts upon it fresh bursts of laughter hailed this jest and then shallow opens the baker's the devil's door continued the skeleton still smoking his pipe ah bah is there a devil you fool i was only joking there's a sharp blade and they put a head under it and that's all and now that i know my road and must stay at the abbey of montaregret guillotine i would rather go there to-day than to-morrow said the skeleton with savage excitement i wish i was there now my blood comes into my mouth when i think what a crowd they'll be to see me they'll be at least i should say from four to five thousand who will push and squeeze to get good places and they'll hire seats and windows as for a grand procession i hear em now crying seats to let seats to let and then there'll be troops of soldiers cavalry and infantry and all for me for the skeleton that's enough to rouse a man if he was as big a coward as pigbinegg that would make you walk like a hero all eyes on you and that makes a fellow pluck up then tis but a moment a fellow dies game and that annoys the big wigs and curs and gives the knowing ones pluck to face the chopper that's true on gospel added barbillon trying to imitate the fearful audacity of the skeleton they think to make us funky when they set charlot to work to get his shop open at our expense ah bah said nicolas in his turn we laugh at charlot and his shop it is like the prison or the galleys we laugh at them too and so that we may be all friends together let's be jolly as long as we can the thing that would do us said the shrill-voiced prisoner would be to put us in solitary cells day and night they do say they mean to do so at last in solitary cells exclaimed the skeleton with repressed rage don't talk of it solitary cell alone hold your tongue i would rather have my arms and legs cut off 
alone within four walls quite alone without having our pals to laugh with oh that will never be i like the galleys a hundred times better than the central prison because at the galleys instead of being shut up one is out of doors sees the world people going and coming and has his jokes and fun well i'd rather be done for at once than be put in a solitary cell if only for a year yes for at this moment i am sure to be guillotined ain't i well if they said to me would you rather have a year of solitary confinement i should hold out my neck a year all alone why is it possible what do they suppose a man thinks of when he is alone suppose you were carried there by main force well i wouldn't stay i would make such use of my hands and feet that i should escape replied the skeleton but if you couldn't if you were unable to escape then i'd kill the first person who came near me in order to have my head chopped off but if instead of sentencing us to death they condemned us to be in solitary confinement for life the skeleton appeared struck at this remark and after a moment's silence replied why then i'll tell you what i should do i should dash out my brains against the walls i would starve rather than be in a solitary cell what all alone all my life alone with myself and no chance of escape i tell you it is impossible well you know there's no man more reckless than i am i'd kill a man for a dollar and for nothing if my honour was concerned they believe i have only killed two persons but if the dead could tell tales there are five tongues could say what i have done the ruffian was boasting the sanguinary declarations are still another trait of the hardened criminals a governor of a prison said to us if the assassinations boasted of by these scoundrels were really committed the population would be decimated and i too said barbillon desirous of bragging in his turn they think i only silenced the husband of the milkwoman in the cite but i did many others with tall robert who suffered last year i was going to say continued the skeleton that i fear neither fire nor devil well if i were in a solitary cell and certain i could not escape thunder i believe i should be frightened and so if you had to begin your time over again as prig and throttler and if instead of central houses galleys and guillotine there were only solitary cells you would hesitate before such a chance ma foi i believe i really should replied the skeleton and he said truly it is impossible to describe the vast terror which such ruffians experience at the very idea of being in solitary confinement and is not this very terror an eloquent plea in favour of this punishment End of chapter nine part one read by celine major